I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Hello and welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Jay Smith, filling in for Andrew while he is on a boat in the middle of the ocean. He is enjoying some family time, and so I am pleased to be joined for your Wednesday into Thursday pod with Alex Spears, Al Baby Cakes on Twitter. Alex, what's up? What up? Basketball's back. Andrew's in the middle of nowhere. He doesn't care about it. He abandoned us. Although he did. Can you believe it? He did tell me he was watching from uh, the middle of the ocean. He got to watch some of it. So I don't know if it was Wi-Fi or they carry Fox Sports Oklahoma. What a a brag. What a huge brag. Hey, I'm on a boat with Wi-Fi. Don't worry about me, little old (laughs) Andrew. But he should be back. He should be back next week. But we talked about uh, Alex and I kind of made the choice like, hey, instead of talking more preseason, why don't we deal with what actually took place? Like the actual season started, which is fantastic to be able to talk about real basketball. And so the Thunder played tonight and lost 100 to 95 in Utah. And I just wanted to give some space to kind of talk about. Now, I missed the first, I watched about the first five minutes of the first quarter oh, and then the best part yeah which was some of the I was like if this is going to be the whole season uh <laughs> this is going to be rough but the second quarter happened and they started to figure out how to play and shoot shoot the ball and Mike Muscala is apparently a guy that plays for this team and uh our centers I don't know there's a lot of stuff to talk about they ended up losing 195 but we're in it pretty much all the way till the end Donovan Mitchell is just without question the best player on the floor. And the Thunder have a big question mark. I think the biggest takeaway for me for one game of overreaction is what are they going to do with that that third wing spot, that third backcourt spot? I think it's the biggest question mark for this team, probably for its entire existence. Uh, But definitely it felt weird. Ferguson was really bad, uh, and it felt like Diallo – I don't know, was ready for the moment and the time. But I don't know. There's a lot of things to take away. So, Alex, I'm going to just give you some space. Like, what are some of the things you uh, just kind of noticed, took away, that you're encouraged by, discouraged by? What is it that you saw that you liked from tonight's game? Well, big picture, I do think it's kind of strange to – we've been a fan of the Thunder for like a decade now. We're obviously going through this transition period and I feel like it's so different from other teams' transition periods. Like, I was thinking about the Cavs after LeBron left both times, either time. And what the fans had to root for was basically what was left over. You know, whoever was left behind. Shout out to uh, the Left Behind series. Uh, but in our case, <laughs> in our case, it's so weird because, like, the thing that I'm most excited about is all these new guys. Like, the new guys, is that's where I'm getting excited. Like, SGA, Chris Paul, Gallo, even Baisley a little bit, even Muscala. 
who was 0 for 4 but still had some really nice plays. It's just weird because, you know, we lose our biggest foundational piece of all time in Russell Westbrook, who's been here for the longest time. We lose Paul George. Most teams in that scenario are going to a situation where it's obvious it's just a ton of young guys and whoever's left over, kind of what the Cavs are dealing with right now. And instead, we have, like, these legitimate NBA players, and they're just stepping right into these roles. And so what we get out of that is, like, a really good game on the road against a team that some people think could win the championship this year or at least be, like, a a home court advantage team, like a top-four seed in the West. And so it was just a really weird experience. Like, we, we have this brand-new, completely formed team to root for, and it was it was interesting, like kind of splitting out the new guys from the old guys, because I would definitely say like all the positive things I have to say tonight are about the new guys, like especially those top three, Gallo and Chris Paul and SGA, like they were all great. And so I don't know, should we start negative or should we start positive? So let's start positive. And I think the the number one positive thing for me was Shea. I thought Shea was tremendous. Which is crazy, and it's individual plus minus. I understand is not really worth it, but or not really a good statistic. But he had the the lowest plus or minus. He was a minus twelve, but he was obviously, especially in the third quarter, I thought the best player for the Thunder. Um, he was unbelievable in that stretch. Scored twenty six points, which is his career high, the highest. Oh, it's the second highest Thunder debut player behind Paul George at twenty eight. I, I just know. thought he I was, was really hoping he I would know. get a few more points. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. He was special tonight. So, Alex, what do you see from him that that gives you this kind of? It, it is like I just want to reaffirm kind of what you said. It just is different than any other major rebuild that um, I remember, in the sense that they're not left with the ghost of Kevin Love and Colin Sexton and everybody that LeBron forced the Cavs to sign, like. Uh, it's not the Sixers where it was like, I don't even know if they had NBA players for multiple seasons. It's just something where it's like they have legitimate players. And Chris Paul and Danilo, like those are guys that are still high-quality, high-level players. And the assumption with Shea was that he would be uh, good. I mean, that was what we heard from most intelligent NBA players. But we had I, I had no idea really what he would look like on the floor. And watching him score at what I would say is probably one of the most difficult rims to score at in Utah with Rudy he was just special like he was really really special so what else did you see from Shea well he's just he has a really strange game at least to me like he's not I don't know it's not obvious to me where he's amazing So I'm still like trying to figure out his game. I mean, this was the first real NBA game that I've gotten to watch him play. I mean, obviously we watched him preseason, but I wasn't watching him a lot last year. And even last year, it wasn't like he was getting 37 minutes like he got tonight. So it's just, he just has an interesting game and I'm just looking forward to watching it the rest of the season um, because it is so unique. But yeah, so he scores 26 points, which is career high. 
I think he scored 24 for the Clippers last year. That was his career high. He hits three threes. He, he, he doesn't get a ton of assists. In fact, the team as a whole only had 15 assists. And this is another one of those things where, like, I still don't know, like, what is Shea at his ceiling? Like, what is he on a team? Like, is he a lead guard? Is he the guy who's, like, running the team? Or is he something different? Is he more of, like, a obviously he's a scoring point guard. But we haven't really seen the playmaking aspect as much. So early returns, great. But I'm still, like, kind of, like, what is this guy? I don't really know. Yeah, he's confusing because, like, I think his elite skill is finishing at the rim, right? But everything yeah. else is just almost surprising. Like, oh, he he does. Everything feels slow. His shot release seems slow, but he, he gets it, and he got – I mean, he ended up shooting – I just had that pulled up here. He had ended up shooting 23 shots and had seven from the three-point line, which still shot – I mean, three of seven, you would take that any day uh for for your point guard and or even shooting guard i mean and so i don't know he's just such he's like a the perfect kind of hybrid uh for what you would look like and his height really helps with that as well being 66 being long uh he's going to be able to play kind of all over the floor and there were times where he was almost you know not that positions really count anymore but obviously when you have chris paul and dennis Schroeder as your other two guards that Shea is your three. Like, he's out there at least guarding. I don't know who would be the three for the Jazz. They've played so many wonky lineups. But Royce O'Neal, which doesn't really count. But uh, I don't know. Shea is – he he's he's an enigma in some way. But I know that I liked, I liked what I saw. Uh, it was hard yeah, to define I, it, but I liked it. And I think the good thing about Shea going forward is when you start thinking about, like, five years down the road, you know – Maybe he never gets to Russ's level. It's very unlikely he ever gets to Russ's level. You know, maybe he never even gets to an all-star level, but he's clearly going to be an important piece on this team going forward. The good thing about him, though, if you're going to give him, like, one edge over Russ, it's that he might be a little bit easier to build around because of his size, because he can already really shoot the three. Like, when they go into this next draft – they can really take whoever they want. Like if there is a, just a star, like can't miss point guard, like they can take that person. Like it doesn't really matter. And so it's nice to kind of have that type of player on a rebuilding team where you don't really have to worry about his fit because it turns out he can fit with anyone. What I really want to see now, of course it's only been one game, but if they ever do trade Chris Paul, I would like to see SGA in that lead guard role just to see like what kind of playmaking skills he really has like fully unleashed. Yeah, and you can tell at least from from the little I've watched him that that's not the natural part of the game for him. Uh but it is something where obviously he has the ability like you know that's what his position is that's what he played for the Clippers and but he's just not a natural assist first point guard. Um, and especially when you compare him to, you know, they have Chris Paul, who that's pretty much all he is. And then Russ was always hunting, you know, those those assists and, and doing that. So it is it is a little bit um, – it's just different because it's such a different – I don't know, flavor is a bad word, but it just feels so much different from that position to have your primary guy be this guy that you're like, hmm, what is he? Uh, and, it, and you could kind of say the same thing about Donovan Mitchell, 
which is why they ended up feeling comfortable pairing him with Mike Conley. You know, the the difference, of course, is that like Mitchell is like obviously explosive in a way that SGA is not. Like just watching Mitchell, he makes these kind of like wild plays, whereas SGA is more crafty. Like he's doing these like goofy, like driving across the lane and doing this up and under scoop shot, you know? Yeah, which so is he, why the, the comp of Harden, like I, obviously he's not Harden. I'm not saying that. But that was the one thing I remember. I remember watching video of Harden playing at Arizona State and thinking – that his game looks a lot like what Shays looks like. He was way kind of slithery towards the the rim more than it was explosive, right? Because Donovan's got right. a lot of that Russell Westbrook explosiveness, but for for Shea for Harden, it's way more just kind of finesse in kind of a slow motion way. But they still get to the rim. Uh, I don't know what he ended up. I keep having to go between screens here, but. He only ended up having, I mean, it's three of six from the free throw line. I mean, you'd like to see more consistency from the free throw line um, for that. But, you know, it's first game. It's hard to take too much from this. But I thought he was really, really good. So what other, any other high points that you think were worth mentioning? Uh, Chris Paul. You know, I thought Chris Paul was Chris Paul. Like, that's what he, he showed that he is still Chris Paul. He can still go out there, lead an offense, score points when you need to. I mean, he, he hit that massive three early in the game that was like from the logo. It was basically like a Steph Curry three. And then he hit that really important three at the end of the game. Like, he's just a – he's a professional basketball player. He's a guy you can trust. Like, I, I honestly was begging for Donovan to bring him back sooner in the fourth quarter because I still thought we had a chance to win – and I could see it like start slipping away, and it was like seven minutes left. I was like, "Come on, just bring him back. Give us a shot." Yeah, it because did, I just wanted it, to see Chris Paul on the court. It felt like it did feel like Donovan left Gallo and Chris Paul on the court probably like two minutes longer than I think I would have. And then and then to switch it where there was a moment where it was Schroeder jumped on instead of Shea, and then Dial. Like it was just a weird rotation down the line. Uh, and then I probably like I know that Billy probably trusts Schroeder more, but I thought Diallo was really good tonight, and I thought he did and brought a lot of the stuff that you want from that wing position, especially when you have some shooters around him. Um, and I just kind of wish they would have run with him, you know, instead of just doing it on the you know because they they did run with him a little bit when it was they were subbing offense defense on the free throws. But I'd like yeah, to have I'm seen a- like a Shea Dennis or a Shea Chris. Uh, Diallo, Gallo, Adams lineup. That would have been something I would have looked. Yeah, you know, I'd be like, hey, that's got some athleticism. It's got, I don't know. I just wish that Badanova would have went with that a little bit longer. Yeah, of the holdover players from last year, I thought Diallo was the most impressive. He 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 did he does have that explosiveness that we don't see with Shea. Like they're actually a kind of a nice pair with each other. If if Diallo could ever figure out how to shoot just a little bit. Um, but Diallo was super aggressive throughout the night. I, I loved all the plays where he was trying to get to the rim. Like it was the early season Diallo that we saw last year. Like, cause remember the, in those first couple of games, like Donovan was willing to play Diallo last year and then he just disappeared forever. And so it was kind of a, a nice callback to that time. And it was cool to see Diallo. Like he was, he was great. Like he had 12 points, which 
going into the season, if Diallo had played like 10 minutes tonight, that would that would not surprise me at all. So to see him get like 23 minutes, have 12 points, like really make some nice plays, both offensively and defensively, it gives me a lot more hope. Because on the flip side, Terrence Ferguson was like absent. He was just gone. He didn't take one shot in 24 minutes. And it's not like he's Andre Robertson. Like he's he's a he's a solid defender. He's he's a decent defender. He could potentially develop into a really good defender. But he's not Andre Robertson, so he needs to be taking some shots, at least take a couple threes. And he took zero shots. Yeah, and he had two free did, throws. Did that was they it. get him? So he didn't play a ton in the second half. Um, especially the fourth quarter. I'm not sure he got any fourth quarter minutes. So did he? Did he get any? Did he get the ball at all in the he first did. quarter? Okay, that's what I I, and, I, and I was listening to it, and it just felt like it kept like nobody knew what to do with it for about the first ten minutes of the game is what it also felt like. But I didn't know if Ferguson even touched the ball. And I saw some people on Twitter saying like, "Hey, uh, Ferg's been open. Like he's open at the three point line. He's just not getting the ball past him. So maybe I shouldn't be blaming him as much." But still, like to go play 24 minutes on this team as a third-year guy coming in, starting shooting guard, who we all think is like we think of him as the three and D guy on this team. Like who else is the three and D guy? He's the three and D guy, and he doesn't even take one three. Like it just whatever. I don't know. We did this last year too. I know. I know. This is a game rewind four, of last year. Andrew was literally after game four, like Ferguson Andrew needs to Ferguson go to the G podcast. League. Yep. Yeah. He needs to go to the G League and he may not even belong there. I rem- I vividly remember that. And he was fantastic. He just I think one of the things that is is constantly frustrating for some of these guys is how I think there's just a mental thing. Like if I think about Steven tonight, it was so it, it felt like he was in a daze for a majority of the game. It did, yeah. That's a good way to describe it because it it felt like, oh man, I, I don't know. It's just watching him. He just like wasn't moving as a normal NBA basketball player should move. He was just kind. Of, it felt like lackadaisical almost. Yeah, it was like I wonder <laughs> this. I would not be surprised if we heard like, oh yeah, Steven's been battling the flu. Oh okay, well that makes sense because <laughs> right. that's how he played. Uh, and, and yet I'm all I'm always hesitant to like hate on Steven because I feel like somebody who uh, like really watches NBA is going to come in and be like, oh, you didn't notice the small things, though. Steven has this weird thing where he's like. When, when someone's coming right at him at the rim, he's having trouble. He had this trouble later in the game with Donovan Mitchell. Like he's just off on his angle, like the the approach he takes to try to defending these guys and they end up just being able to go right around him. And I don't know what that is, but he was not good tonight. And it's really weird considering what it looked like in the preseason. Because in the preseason, we came out of that thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to like feed Steven Adams. Like he is going to be an offensive centerpiece. And it's hard and because tonight- playing against Ru- Rudy Gobert changes things, right? Like, I don't want to talk too much about one game for Steve, but like, Steve has not always been very good against Gobert. Like he just, he plays a little more passive. Like, cause the way, if I'm Steve, what I'm going to try to do, not that I'm even close to his intelligence and basketball or ability, 
But you, you I think just, you're close. You just think you're right. You just think with Steven's physical ability, like his just the strength, like he he needs to body go bear. Like he has to go into him. Um, and it is one of those things I think with Steve where I don't know. I I literally can't pinpoint what it is. And we could see him play against Washington and get twenty three and fifteen. Um, right. Yeah. And, and I almost asked that question on Twitter. Like I do not have a good enough memory to remember what Steven Adams history with Gobert is like, like maybe he, maybe he just does. Maybe this is the guy who's just really good against him. And I just don't remember it. Yeah. It always now, I, feels, don't I know it's this any, and like, Nurkic too. I think it's the other one that I was. Yeah. Now Nurkic, that is one I do remember. Now I don't remember any like Steven Adams, Thomas Bryant matchup. So <laughs> right. fr- Friday night, I'm expecting a big game from Adams. What's funny is if you look at Gobert, like he had seven points and fourteen rebounds. You know, like he, yeah, it's I mean, true. Like he, he changes the game of, in a lot of other ways, but they did kind of have similar games because I mean, Adam still got eleven rebounds tonight, mm-hmm. which is solid for him. And so maybe they did just kind of cancel each other out. Neither of them looked great. I mean, there were not that many points during the game where I was like, "Ooh, there's Gobert!" Like, "Ooh." You know, like he wasn't really jumping off the screen to me either. No. So yeah, which is probably wow. part of Steve's job is just like, all right, keep Gobert like somewhat neutralized. Just make him not. And it's hard. Like one of the reasons you saw Donovan try to go to Muscala quite a bit is because one of the things you want to do with Gobert is get him out of the lane. And one of the ways you do that is by adding shooting uh, to make that that big guy position something that stretches the floor. Um, you know, I. I I don't know, man. It, it's just it's hard. It's and obviously you don't want to overreact to one game, um, but I'll tell you, I I don't know what I expected from the Thunder, but I don't think I expected them to stay within five at Utah on the road. And now Mike Conley having the worst night of his <laughs> life. I, I didn't. Help. I just saw that line. He was one of sixteen. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Paul George. What was that game? Game six against the Jazz <laughs> two years ago. He was yep. doing a little uh, in memoriam for Paul George, so that was cool. Wow, that one is for thoughtful. sixteen. It's thoughtful, oh, for then. six from three. I this is terrible because he is on my fantasy uh, basketball team, <laughs> and uh, I I, I don't know how to, to do, recover. Right? Yeah, I don't know how to do fractions, but one is sixteen. Whatever one divided by sixteen is not good. No, that is not very good at all. Um, so you have any other thoughts before I go to some of these Twitter questions? Uh, so basically, I mean, it was just nice. Yeah, you that basically, it was just nice to see him get 19 minutes. You know, this was a guy we really g- genuinely thought would be in the G League all year, and for him to get 19 minutes in the first game of the season, it's not like he was amazing. He was 0 for three. You know, he had three rebounds, one block, one turnover. Would he you- did have a real. He had a really nice pass which this has become like his signature pass already where he drives in and he's really good at these interior passes. Yeah, and, and, and Steven got fouled Muscala. on it, I think. Right? Oh, was it to Muscala? Yeah. Oh, oh and he got stuffed at the rim. That's right. Blame him. Muscala got blocked and, uh, and, and ruined everything. But on the other hand, Muscala, let's talk about him briefly. Yeah, his stat like line four. looked so bad, but he was pretty it, good. <laughs> yeah, he was a plus one on the night. And he had a couple, I would say like four defensive plays where I was like, wait, what? What's happening right now? Like he had he had a couple of these plays where he just stood up to either Gobert 
I think he had one either against like Conley or uh, Mitchell where he just he just stymied them, stymied them at the rim, which was not what I was expecting from Mike Muscala. And uh, he probably was like the best big man on the court tonight for the Thunder, even with like nothing offensively. I mean, he missed all three of his three pointers. He was not good. I'm just realizing that Dennis Schroeder was one for eight. Yeah, he's been awful. Like, I have referenced your tweet from the other night against the Mavericks a thousand times when talking about Dennis Schroeder that I think I've had enough of him. (laughs) You've you've seen enough. You don't don't need any more more Dennis in my life. Uh, You know, though, like, I honestly don't want to – I feel like I want to hate more on Ferg because Ferg I still have hope for. Like, Ferg, I still have dreams for. I go to bed, and I dream about, oh, Ferg's ceiling. You know, he could be this 3 and D player. Like, Schroeder, you know, he's Schroeder. Dennis is Dennis, you know? It's like getting mad at my dog when he poops twice on a walk, you know? And I only have one poop bag. It's like, hey, this is what he does. That's on me. Like, I should have brought two poop bags. (laughs) Like, I know he pooped twice. (laughs) Schroeder's been pooping twice a game. For two years now, like I got to get used to it. I, I've adjusted, you know. But yeah. Ferguson, like I still believe in and like want to see him do well and want to see him progress. Schroeder, I've just like resigned myself. Like this is what he is. I didn't realize it was this bad though. One for eight. Well, yeah, and one and of the he issues. Closed the game. And he also had the second most minutes on the team. He had more minutes than Chris Paul, more than Gallo, more than Steve, more than Ferguson, more than Diallo. I mean, literally what? second for real. Yeah, he had 31 minutes and was the second most minutes on the team. Are they like trying to, you know, like showcase him for a for an opposing team? If so, they are doing a poor job. They're doing a disservice, or he's doing a poor job. Campus. So I do have this question. So this is from at Vito zero zero six zero eight three six three, which is still oh, an, yes. an, an amazing Twitter handle. Uh, but he said, looking back, is the Schroeder trade a low-key disaster? Cantor's horrible contract would have been expired, and we wouldn't lose the pick that drafted Mitchell Robinson. Dennis is just not good. Well, Is that unfair to evaluate it that way? That's two different trades because you're saying – you're really saying like the mellow trade was the bad, the bad move. Right. Because that is the one where we sent away Cantor. And that one I would probably agree with at this point. I have come around, though, in a negative way on the mellow for Schroeder trade because, you know, we had we had a, we had a time, Jay, like making fun of Danny LaRue, you know, because he was saying, oh, they should have just stretched and waved mellow, you know, and we, we made a big deal about it because, oh, we got this we got this perfect backup point guard for free. What are you talking about, Danny? <laughs> and now two years later, I'm like, Meh, you know, he did, he did kind of have a point. Danny kind of had a point. Well, how many times did we tweet like or talk about on a podcast after Schroeder had a good game where it's like it's more points than Wave and Stretch would have got? That is true, and we are still correct. His uh, three points tonight on one of eight shootings, still more than we would have had. So what do you <laughs> think about oh. what do you think about Noel in the in the rotation? Like, is that just a, okay. because of the game? What like did Muscala jump him? Right, yeah, I did I did think that was kind of weird. So Muscala played 16 minutes to Noel's five. Which, again, this goes back to this summer. Like, what was – why did Noel come back? 
like especially if this was the plan, the team's plan for him. I mean, ostensibly he wants to play really well this season and have another one of these like makeup seasons where people can see how he plays and then pay him like a decent amount of money. I mean, isn't he making less this year than he made last year? It, it it's unbelievable. Like he, yeah, I have no idea why he stayed in Oklahoma City. And they even gave him like all indicators are is that, and they may have even said it like. They gave him the option. All right, man, hey, you know, like I know it's going to be a different team. If you want to sign somewhere else, please go ahead and just do that. You know, like don't – and he was like, no, I want to stay in Oklahoma City. And we're just like, why? And and maybe maybe it has something to do with the Jazz because the Jazz, they're starting power forward. I mean, I think tonight it was Royce O'Neal, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just that they're a really small team in general. And so in the future – Maybe we'll see Mascala playing a little bit more power forward than we saw tonight. And so then Noel could get more of those backup center minutes. But, yeah, it it was strange. It was definitely something I noticed. Yeah, and playing, you know, like their backup big, right, Ed Davis. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I, Ed Davis has been like the perennial guy that everybody thinks is way better than apparently he is. Or I don't know. Like, And so I, it makes sense to – to go small, to to run that out there. I do think whenever you play a team, I mean, I don't know, I don't even know who's on Washington's team, but if you do play a team that does have more traditional bigs, I think you'd see more Nerlens, uh playing. But I think they really did try to stretch the floor to get Rudy out of the way to give more space. So, which makes sense. That's why Mescala would be out there. It's still surprising to me that they didn't try to to space the floor at all with Adams. Like it's such a it's such a killer for this team for him to float around the lane with Rudy Gobert. Like that just pretty much means you're going to concede to give threes up. That's it, or to yeah. shoot threes. Like that's all you're going to get because he wants Rudy Gobert at the rim is just unbelievable. Like one of the best shot blockers of the last decade, and we just ha- you have to draw him out. And it just feels like Steve, like the way they scheme it, he just hangs out where Rudy. Like the only look you're going to have is if you can pull Rudy towards the the drive and throw over him. But he's so – you could see every time they did that massive hesitation on the point guards to make those moves um, because he's so long, you know. Like you could see Shea every time thinking, oh, I want to throw this, but I can't because I don't trust getting over uh, Gobert. Uh, breaking news, Jay, have you seen the Sun score? Last I saw, this... they were beating the Kings. They are up 30 30- on the Kings. Oh. What? Who's scoring who's scoring for them? Uh leading scored, uh Devin Booker, of course. Number two, though, Kelly Oubre. And otherwise it's kind of spread around. Wow, 30 point win for the Suns. That has to be one of the biggest shockers of the night. Did you look at like some of the other things just we we can we can ask more questions about the Thunder, but just well, real we're quick, we're like, out of so we're most of the Twitter questions we did we didn't ask, but we answered the questions. So let's let's move around oh, the okay. NBA. I think we've talked at nauseum a little bit about uh, the Thunder. I think that they are going to be better than maybe we thought they were, and not as good as maybe I sometimes thought they could be. Uh, so as a final closing thing, like I think you'll see better nights from Steve. I hope you see better nights from Ferguson or. I don't know, and I really want to see Dre. Like I just want to see Dre guard Donovan Mitchell for a second, like. Like a healthy yeah, that, that's a really good point, and th- and maybe that would free up Ferg a little bit in the second unit to make him feel like he could just focus on scoring if Robertson was out there. 
But yeah, yeah. if you, if you look at that starting lineup, especially for this Jazz team, like having Chris Paul, SGA, Robertson, Gallo, and Adams, like that's a really good matchup for this Jazz team. So hopefully we see him sometime yeah. soon. And they, I mean, you know, I I have no idea what to expect. You got the Wizards in town on Friday, and then you have the Warriors on Sunday. I don't know what to expect from the Warriors. I I don't know who they are. Yeah, they they didn't play tonight. I think they must play tomorrow night with the Rockets. Get to watch the Rockets tomorrow. Uh, you gonna watch them? You gonna hate uh, watch them? I I am gonna watch them. I haven't decided whether I hate them or not yet, Jay. Okay, I'm taking my time. <laughs> I'm taking my time. It's a new season, you know. I'm a very forgiving person. I'm not gonna just go in hating. Yeah, they play tomorrow night. You've got that's pretty good games. You've got the Rockets and the Bucks. Is the first TNT game, and then you have the Clippers Warriors to finish the evening. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's nice. Hey, I want to just take a minute to celebrate somebody that is a sponsor of this podcast, and that is Anatomy Wine Club. Now, here's the deal. Anatomy Wine Club is one of the coolest spots that you may have not been to. We went to it for our trivia night, and I'm telling you, it is one of the coolest places in Oklahoma City. And you want to check it out. It's down on 16th Street, just before you get into the heart of the plaza, coming from Classen. And you need to go check it out. I'm just telling you right now, you will not be disappointed. Take your wife or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a friend and go enjoy some delicious beverages. Great company and a really cool spot. They have a ton of wine, beers, and cocktails, $4 beers and shot deal. They have sports and patio. They just built out this whole sports room on the side where they have billiards and darts and different games and tons of screens in there. And you just want to go check it out. I'm telling you right now, you will not regret it. Anatomy Wine Club on 16th Street in the Plaza area. Go check it out. Support the people that support down to Dunk. But yeah, so tonight of the lineup, the things that stuck out to me the most the fact that Charlotte is 1-0. and If the playoffs ended today, the Hornets are in the playoffs. I legitimately, this is my thought when I saw that. I said, wow, I didn't think the Hornets would win a game all season. <laughs> I know, especially because like the, uh, the Bulls were kind of this sexy pick, you know. People were very excited about them. Man, Dwayne Bacon, I got to pick him up. Oh, and P.J. Washington, who, so a little behind the scenes of down to dunk. When Jay told me about this podcast this week, he said, Hey, let's podcast after the first game, which he meant the first thunder game. I thought he meant the first game of the regular season, which was the Pelicans versus the Raptors. So as part of that, I had prepared all this like Eastern conference preseason nuggets. And one of them, for the Charlotte Hornets was that P.J. Washington was like this huge surprise in preseason. Mitch Kupchak had actually said he was going to play P.J. Washington in the G League. Like he, he thought he was going to be in the G League all year. And then he comes out today and hits the most amount of threes that any rookie has ever hit in his debut game. He was 7 of 11 for, from three, 27 points. Whoa. That That is – I'm looking at a stat line right now. I'll tell you – the other stat line that is just amazing for the amount of money he just got signed to for no reason is Terry Rozier, man. He was wonderful. Two of ten from the field, two assists from the <laughs> three-point line, seven points. And I mean, that. 
he look at look at his plus minus compared to everyone else on his team. So the worst on his team was a minus three. The second worst on his team was the minus three. He was a minus eighteen. God. A minus eighteen in a one point game. The second worst was a minus three. At least they signed him for way too much money for way too long. And um, Nick Batum broke his finger tonight. We're talking a lot of Hornets tonight. Big Hornets night. What about did you watch any of the seventy sixers Celtics game? I did not. Yeah, I didn't um, get to watch any of it either. In in a, you know, I was revolting against it by watching the Cavs Magic game to watch Markel Fultz, who legitimately looks like a real NBA player, like ready to go. Like he he had twelve points, six assists tonight, two steals, and that doesn't even do it justice because if you watch the game, like the dude looks like a number one pick. Like he cannot shoot. Like He's still not going to – he was 0 for 3 from three-point range. At least he shot him. That's surprising. But compared to where he – yeah, exactly. Compared to where he was in Philly, where he was just like this really sad guy who didn't want to take any shots, like he was awesome tonight. That's exciting. He had a few, like, That's good. Spin moves. He had a coast-to-coast dunk that was awesome. So I was super pumped about that. And he's already playing 23 minutes a night. So I'm pumped about Fultz. Cavs, I never want to see again. I, I already saw enough of them. They were terrible. Absolutely awful. Kevin Love, in particular, missed like five. He, he, he went 11 and 18 tonight. But the reason he had 11 points was because he missed like five shots right at the rim, like layups. How was he just hanging in there? Just hanging in there. There's nobody in worse NBA purgatory than Kevin Love right now. There's not, and I don't see how what they're doing right now is like boosting his value because they signed him to a pretty big contract. That must have just been like the shock, like, oh, we can't lose everybody. Like, this is what you don't want to do when you lose your stars is you don't want to just throw tons of money at people that you're like, oh, this guy can't carry a team anymore. Right. Um, let me see. The, the, oh, well, we got it. We got it. At least mention the Knicks starting lineup. <laughs> I'm looking at their box score. <laughs> Alonzo Trier, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, and Marcus Morris. That was their starting lineup. If you're saying, hey, and even on ESPN, four of them they've marked as forwards and one is a guard. Alonzo Trier is a guard. But none of those are point guards. Dennis Smith Jr., who is one of the like primary pieces they got back for trading Porzingis. He played 10 minutes in their opener on a team that has no point guards. Yeah, Frank Natilikina, who they just signed to an extension, played three, three minutes. minutes. And Alfred Payton played 26 minutes. What is going on? I don't know, man. That I watched I watched the first like the first quarter of that game probably and it was all iso. Like the two of the first three possessions were a Marcus Morris turnaround fadeaway mid-range shot. And they so were they're, ahead they're a, for the majority of that game too. Were they really? Yeah. Yeah. The Spurs like made a little run at the end and won by I think 10. But oh well maybe they figured something else. Maybe yeah. maybe you don't need point guards anymore. Or it was just so shocking to the Spurs that they just were like, oh, we gotta actually play. I'm looking at the how did uh, I'm trying to look at Tyler Hero. How did he do? Uh, he was solid. He had 14 yeah. and 8. Um, Jimmy Butler was out for personal reasons. No one knows what that means yet. He hasn't had sleep in month. 
that might be it. He might have just slept through. Uh, but yeah, that that was a that was a weird one just to see Jimmy Butler out and the fact they won by 19 against a Memphis team that I actually really like a lot of the players on Memphis. Um, but they are like super young. And then I'm looking at some of these other games. Wow! So Phoenix ends up winning by 29. Yeah, that is crazy. What did you me. see, Kyrie for the uh, Nets scored 50. And yes, he did score 50. One point loss in overtime. Which is a really impressive win by the Timberwolves. And I think the big story of the night is Carl Anthony Towns, like yeah, 36 and 14, seven threes. He's almost as good as PJ Washington. He uh <laughs> Go, he played really good defense <laughs> Go tonight, Wildcats. though, too. Yeah. He he had three steals, three blocks. Wiggins had like a classic night, a classic Wiggins night, 27 shots, 21 points, no assists, no steals, no blocks, but they still get the huge win on the road. And they're a team I'm really interested in watching this year because they kind of had this whole mindset change with bringing in Gerson Rosas from the Houston Rockets. So I'm really interested in seeing what happens. And it looks like they kept up their big three point shooting that I talked about with Andrew a week ago, they took 43 threes tonight, which like last year, I think it was something like 27 or 28 threes per night. So they are definitely, I think they're going to be the next rockets in terms of the way they shoot. They probably should get some other people that can actually shoot them though. They uh, shot yeah, 43 they need- and made 13 of them. Wiggins is like the most anti Houston player ever most anti like Maury ball player. Yeah. Ever. They, but they just can't, they can't move them. They can't like, I don't know who would, I mean, maybe somebody out there would take him, but um, I wouldn't take him for our star point guard, Chris Paul. No, 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 no. Cause I no, want to no, no, keep, no. I want to keep Chris until he retires in a thunder Jersey. I'm just, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Jay wants a Chris Paul statue. Yes. I need that already. Outside. Yeah, so <laughs> it's going to be intriguing to see. So here's my here's a question. This would be a good question to kind of end our time together. So watching the Thunder, what was this experience like compared to the last five years? You know, let alone the last ten or the last two. Like, how did this experience watching this team play feel different for you? It's I actually almost tweeted when there was like a minute left, like. I'm struggling to understand how I'm supposed to react if they lose. Because if this loss happens last year in the opening game, I'm already stressing out. Yes, or, I know. Or, or even if it happens this year, let's say that Paul George is out, like he is with the Clippers right now, and this is a rust-led team, and they go into Utah, and they lose a close game. Like, I'm stressing out already. Because it's like, oh, that was such a great chance to get a win and we really need a win right now that Paul George is out. Like we've got to get every win we can right now. Like that's how I would have felt with, with last year's team or the alternate timeline thunder team. And with this team, I don't know. It just felt different. I, I like, I wanted them to win. I was rooting for them to win, but when they lost, I was very, it was very easy for me to flip immediately to like, well, SGA had a pretty good game. Right. You know, like I think this, I think this team's actually going to be pretty decent and pretty competitive. Like if they played like that the rest of the season, 
Like that's entertaining basketball. It is. And I think the thing that I keep trying to tell myself and, and kind of any Thunder fan that's like, why are we just going to go for the eight seed? Here's the deal. The Thunder can be competitive and fun and enjoyable to watch and at the same time win 30 games. Like that's yeah, that's think- what this team kind of could be right now as a team that and maybe they could win. They could maybe get a, above that. But they may be the 10 seed in the West and still be really good and fun to watch because the West is that loaded. Like you're talking about teams like the Kings, well apparently now the Suns, uh the Spurs, like people are talking about the Blazers being the 7 seed. You know, like the West is that loaded this year and you can play well you can be enjoyable. You can play the right way. You can play close games and still end up with a pretty decent draft pick. Yeah, and I don't, I don't have any expectations for this year. And the only thing I would worry about, honestly, is just how do how would Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari react to being on a thirty-win team? Like, other than that, I feel great about the situation right now. That's the only thing where it's like, do these guys really want to do this? Like there was, it there was a moment on them for sure. There was a moment. I don't know if it was in the second quarter and the third quarter when Chris Paul, they put Chris Paul out there with just like, you know, like the thunder scrubs kind of, you know, it was like Mascala and it was Hami and it, it was just like a bunch of guys. And I was like, man, Chris Paul's really the only like, established NBA player on the court right now for the Thunder. And that's probably a good reason to have him out there because he can lead this squad. But at the same time, it's like, is this really what he wants to be doing right now? And I felt a little bit bad for Chris. So hopefully, you know, it it seems like he's bought in. There were some great shots like during the game of him talking to the other guys. And I think all of the young guys are like, totally cool with listening to Chris Paul, which is kind of nice. Yeah, there was that one shot where he was talking to Ferguson and he was like trying to teach him like, hey, pay attention to this, be mindful of this. And it's also weird, like, and it, it, this is what he has to do, but, you know, Billy's calling a play, they're sitting on the bench and like Chris Paul's looking, listening, and then, you know, kind of gives him a fist bump um, on the way out. And it was just one of those things where I'm like, huh, he's at least giving this a shot. I mean, I think it will wear on him. I don't think the long-term goal was for the – corpse of Chris Paul to drag this team to 40 wins for the next three years until he, you know, goes to retire in the Lakers or something, you know, like I don't think that's the goal for him nor, nor for the thunder, but I think thunder fans getting more and more used to the idea of him being a part of this team for the year is something that we need to do. And then to recognize like, man, it kind of makes it a little more enjoyable as we head uh, as a team downward towards that rebuilding, replenishing, whatever that kind of part of it is. But I don't know. I, and if, it was enjoyable. It was kind of enjoyable to watch. Like It was kind of just a nice, easy feeling when I watched the game. And if you're another team watching Chris Paul, and we've seen all these extensions happen, we already know like the 2020 free agency class is going to be bad. Like Chris Paul's still good. And if you're a team like Miami, this is my sales pitch to these other teams right now. If you're a team up. like Miami – and you just need a you need a really good above average point guard and above average he's even selling him short like this guy's good go look at that logo shot he made tonight look at the shot he made at the end of the game like you need this guy on your team you know he is valuable and he has not slowed down that plant-based diet is going to keep him going for years you are right in the sense that if your roster is stuck and you want to take a next step 
Um, this is a pretty easy way. You know, I mean, I don't think it would cost the heat too much or, you know, a team like – I even think Minnesota. Like, if, if they keep stro- – if, you know, I mean, obviously it's a good win tonight, but if, if you don't think Jeff Teague is your guy, you know, for the long term, like, take a, take a shot at it. They want to be good, bring in Chris Paul. Chris Paul has a relationship with the guy they just brought in from Houston. Like, give him a shot. Why not? Yeah. Send us Jeff Teague. I think he's on an expiring. Yep. It's his last year. We'll take Jeff Teague and probably uh, – Gorgie Jing and maybe a future first or something, and it's yours. Is oh wow, Gorgie Jang DNP tonight. Poor guy. Now he's going to be discontent and cause problems in the Minnesota locker room. Like yes, know. he will. Yes, he will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'll let you go about the rest of your night. Uh, so once again, Thunder lost one hundred and ninety-five. And uh, a lot of promising things to grab from it. So I hope you enjoyed some of the game, and I hope you enjoyed some of the content we wanted to get you. We'll be back on Friday. And uh, Alex, man, thank you. Follow him on Al Baby Cakes. Rate and review our podcast. And uh, we'll see you Friday.